Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil Hawthorne. Joining me as usual, I've got Mr. Rohan Karamandi. How's it going? Hey, hey. Good, thanks. And joining us from the US, we've got Michael. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. So last episode for the year, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Uh, Mark, you actually reached out to us on Discord, um, you know, talking about, you know, your relationship with the Material Icons team and thought, hey, this would be a, a good episode to do. And we couldn't agree more, so we thought we'd get you on here. So maybe um, give us a bit of a, an overview of, of who you are and and what your relationship to Home Assistant is and, and all that. Yeah, sure. So my name's Michael, and uh, I've been using Home Assistant since uh, 2016, I think. Found mm-hmm. uh, I found it trying to, you know, automate some light bulbs that or some light switches, I should say. Um, yeah. And uh, material design icons was being used by Home Assistant already. So that just kind of happened. I was working for a company at the time that decided to go down the material design guidelines um, in one of their new products. And I was like, oh, I know an icon library that works for that because of my familiarity with with Home Assistant. So we ended up starting using MDI at work. And then uh, we had some icons that we needed that just weren't in the library Um, in 2016. There was only like 2,000 icons in the library. So uh, I started contributing um, new icons. Because it's all open source, right? Like Yeah, it's all open source. So it's like, hey, we got some icons nice. that might be useful. Um, so we started opening up some issues and, and getting them added. And next thing you know, um, you know, here it is six years later. I'm almost at uh, 2,000 icons contributing wow. myself. Yeah. That's cool. That's um, cool, man. A lot of them for Home Assistant, a lot of them just in general. So it's it's been really fun. Um, it's one of my favorite hobbies in the last few years here to, to contribute to MDI. So just, just out of curiosity, like, what do you, how does that process happen? Like, like I understand with, you know, Home Assistant, how, you know, people contribute and code and whatever. How do you contribute an icon to the MDI library? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different. There, there are certain icon libraries out there that will, will follow the kind of same open a PR with some, inf- you know, with, with an icon, they're SVG, so it's just code. Yeah. Um, we do things a little bit differently because we want to follow material guidelines as much as possible. Um, so uh, Austin, um, who is the maintainer who started MDI back in like 2014, and that was months before even Google open sourced their icon collection. Right. He kind of maintains the infrastructure. He, he built up um, this website and, the, and this administrative backend um, and kind of this, this whole process for submitting and releasing icons. And so when somebody contributes to us, they open up an issue and they say, okay, I, you know, I want to add an icon for X, Y, and Z. And uh, this is what I was thinking. And they'll create the SVG and they'll upload it. And then we can kind of talk about it and say, okay, yeah, you, you know, you hit it right on the head. We think it's a good addition or, you know, it needs some tweaking here. Here's some documentation to the material guidelines. See if you can, you know, adjust it for this. Um, or, you know, some people even come to us and like, I just want this icon. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not a designer. I don't have the software. Can you do it yeah. for us? And 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 we will to to an extent. Um, we're always hoping that somebody stumbles across an open request and like, yeah, I need that exact icon as well. I can do mm-hmm. it, um, and they'll kind of contribute. Um, so we've we've gotten several c- contributors that way, and mm-hmm. and some will will contribute one or two icons, and some will contribute hundreds. We you know so. That's that's pretty much the process, and then once we once we get the icon, someone from the core team um, will will go ahead and go through our administrative process, and we'll and we'll add it and, and get it into to a release. That's cool. So so this isn't this isn't really your day job. This is this is just kind of your hobby. You know, your yeah. hobby, whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a really cool way. It's 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 almost like a really I don't know. It's like a, almost a really expressive way to you know you know do whatever you want to do right like in, in terms of a release there yeah yeah and, and the cool thing about it too is because we follow google's material guidelines we have a rule set of how we need to do something some icons right. they're just impossible to do in the amount of space with the rules that we have some of them we have to get really creative with how we do it or 
if you need to um, depict a certain thing, okay, well, we can't depict it literally. So what can we do to, to solve the use case? Right. So um, it allows us to be creative in, in coming up with solutions and, and how we can how we can do those things. That's cool. And and how how much of like a I guess a, a design background do you have? Like is is that, is that what you do day in day out? And then you just happen to also like this? Nope. I am a software engineer. Okay. I am okay. A, I'm a software engineer um, for Salesforce as nice. of right now. So um, I write code every day. And, but, but by history, like when, when I started my career, I was doing everything. I was doing full stack designing and, 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 and writing code. So I, you know, I have a good, um, good knowledge base around some of the design software, um, applications that are out there. But the cool thing about this is, I mean, if you pick up like Inkscape, which is an open source piece Mm -hmm. of software that you can download for free, you can create SVG icons. And if you read the rules, it's, you're dealing with a 24 by 24 grid. You have to follow certain line widths and yeah. it's very geometrical. So if you are decent with shapes, you should be able to throw something together. Even if it's not the exact thing that goes into the library, if it's something that gets us there, right? That that counts. And because okay. of those things, it's really, it's not difficult for somebody who doesn't have a design background that is interested in creating an icon to, you know, kind of play around with it and, and see what they can do. That's kind of cool. Okay. So, so it's basically, even if you can get it most of the way there and then you guys can kind of not handhold, but like guide through and, or potentially even finish off. It sounds like, uh, Mm -hmm. from, from, you know, just to get it to that quality standard. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and we'll help too. Like if, you know, if we have to touch the icon, you know, to get it, you know, the last 10%, and sure. We'll share that information. Like this was really good. We had to make these changes for this reason, um, and most of the time, it's because we needed to follow the rule set. Sometimes yeah. there is some subjectivity to it. You know, sometimes we break the rules in very rare cases, and usually we talk about that through all the core contributors. We're like, okay, we have this icon. It looks really good this way, but it, you know, it uses one DP strokes instead of two, which is the the guideline. Is this acceptable? And we'll kind of talk about it and say, okay, yeah, we're willing to break the rules for this because it fills this really popular use case or there's no other way to do it and it looks really good still it's it's still discernible at you know the small resolution so we'll have those conversations but whatever we do we'll share that back with whoever contributes with it so that they learn something and hopefully will you know want to contribute more icons because that's where we're about that's amazing so in terms of the material design project like the sorry the material design icons project is that affiliated with Google in any way, or is it just literally taking, you know, the material design ethos and, and you know, just going at it and saying, all right, this is their guidelines, let's make an icon library for, for it, let's go. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is you know, Austin decided to start this up, um, as I said, about four, four months or, I, I don't know exactly, a few months before Google open sourced their icon library back in 2014, and... Uh, so it, it, there was no affiliation to start with. I know that um, while he was in the Bay Area a couple times, he's I think had a couple beers with members of the t- members of the team or me- former members of the Google team and just kind of yeah. you know talked about icons. But there's no official affiliation with Google. Um, we use uh, Google's icons on a case by case. You know we'll we'll pull them in um, based on their open source license for their icons. We can do that. Um, we can redistribute them. Uh, we don't blanketly add all their icons because, you know, sometimes, sometimes we feel we can do better. Um, sometimes, sure. you know, sometimes they're just, they don't fit a use case that we see right now. Um, so we, we kind of let the community drive that. Like if they see an icon that Google offers, even if they, even if it's an icon that Google doesn't officially offer in their library, but say they saw it in the maps app, you know, Google's created mm-hmm. that icon. We'll do our best to try to get it into our library. Um, but yeah, we don't have any official kind of communication line with Google at all. Interesting. It's I, I love the parallel. Like it, sometimes it just happens, and you're there. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, when when coronavirus kind of came, the thing we we immediately said, okay, well, hey, we need some virus related icons. Yeah, we're going to see a use case for this. So you know, I, I created a mask icon, um, and 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 the virus icon, and we had a couple other um, contributors 
create some other icons. And then suddenly we started seeing them in Google's library too. Um, okay. And Google's mask icon looks real similar to ours. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying anything there. I'm just, you know, they look real similar. Yeah, but sure. then their virus icon was completely different. And then we kind of talked in, internally and we're like, okay, do we like Google's or do we like the one we created? And we're like, we like the one we created, so we're going to stick with that. Um, right. You know, if somebody came to us and was like, I really need Google's icon, we'd probably add it as a variant. So we yeah. had two, you know, more than one of the of that. But we really haven't had that use case come up. So, you know, we just kind of, we, we have lots of conversations internally to determine what stays and what goes in terms of, in terms of Google icons. So. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, I think, where, you know, like, again, when two people are kind of doing the same thing, sometimes you might actually end up doing the same style, same whatever. But at the same time, it's, it's I also appreciate the sharing, right, where, you know, whether it's you guys ingest something from Google or Google ingest something from you guys or, or you know, whoever, right, potentially. Yeah, other, well, we're other following the same too. rule set. There's yeah. only so many ways that you can use geometry to create a mask. So you're going to get something yeah. similar, right? So yeah. it just happens. And that's the whole point of the library because now it's very easy to identify what that is. The, the rule set that's there yeah. is to make things easy to identify. And I think that we're definitely doing that. Are the rules yeah. designed to be, you know, for like accessibility? Like, so they look the same on like all resolutions or what is the, you know, what's the, the reason behind those rules? Sure. Yeah. I can't speak a hundred percent to this because, you know, obviously Google created these, but for many, for any design system, you're looking for consistency and you're looking to weed out problems that you can infer them to be there. So for example, when creating an icon, we work with a 24 by 24 grid and we try to keep the lines, the points of those lines where circles line, uh, line up on the grid as much as possible. Because with SVG, when you get on, get into smaller resolutions, you start to get half pixel um, roundings, and that's what makes an icon right. look blurry at native resolution. And we don't want icons to look blurry ever. So we're all constantly fighting that battle, where um, you know we need to move something onto the grid, or this curve kind of looks blurry, or where we're going to put this modifier arrow kind of looks mm -hmm. blurry. So can we move it up a you know half a point or a point and get it on the grid? So, you know, there's, there's rules that help with that. Um, you know, you're dealing with icons. When you look at them in your home assistant dashboard, they're most of the time they're small, unless you're using like one of the bigger button cards, but they're, they're yeah. small and you want to, you want them to look nice and, and crisp and you want them to be detailed to a point where you can tell what they're doing. Um, if you put way too much detail in there, you start to get blurriness or things kind of bleed into each other. Um, and that's why, like, there's the rule for two for two design point lines instead of one, so two, or two pixel lines. I guess would be a better way to to, to describe that, um, just so that you get the, the the definition at that at that level. We always look at the icons at what we call native resolution, which is that smallest resolution that you'll possibly use the icon at, and that's where we want it to look the best. So, you know, there's rules for those types of things. Um, and, and I invite anybody, Google's material design guidelines are available um, on the, in the material design um, documentation, too, for system icons. That's, those are the rules we follow, material, material design system icons rules. So um, they're, they're published, and anybody can go look at them. And uh, you know, those are the ones we, we kind of fight with constantly is, mm. are, those, are those few. There's other ones, too. You know, we, you know, we want to keep things ge geometrical. Um, that's more of a style thing to try to keep everything simple and consistent. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's a lot of different ones. And they all serve different purposes. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah, very interesting. And I guess it also having those rules would also rule out, um, you know, if you get like two designers, you know, doing the same icon, you might get sort of two different versions of it. And if you've got such like strict rules, it sort of removes the human element of you know, you know of two different things coming out right like two yeah. or their creativity. individual exactly yeah like their individual creativity coming out in the dark one sort of but that's not to say that there's no individual creativity because oh, there's a lot there's yeah. definitely we've 100%. seen some pretty creative icons but what you said you know more than times than not when two people try to attack the same problem it ends up with okay i really like what you did on this one and i really like what you did on this one let's get them together because yep. now we've made the ultimate icon mm -hmm. occasionally we'll we'll have ones where like they're both really good on their on their own we're going to add both of them one will become a variant one will be 
our standard. Um, and, and we don't really have a process for that. It's usually whoever makes it in first. And then the, any <laughs> any additional ones become variants. We're, yep. we're not like yeah. that. Whether it's better or um, worse or whatever. Right. And, and it's all subjective, better or worse. Yep. It's better yep, or yep, worse yep. for your use case, not better or worse in terms of quality of the design. So, yeah. But most of the times it becomes a collaborative kind of thing. Like, I really like how you did this. So we're going to use that piece and now we can kind of lay this on top of it and, and we get two, we, you know, we get one really good icon out of that. So because of that rule set that we see a lot of conversions. That's cool. Is there, is there ever a time where you would change the standard icon? So let's say, I mean, you talked about mask, right? So you've created, you've defined the icon for mask and then tomorrow, let's say somebody else comes along and the community decides or the, the core team decides, Hey, this is more, indicative of a mask as an example um yep. and would you ever replace the icon or does that just guaranteed go as an alternative and yeah most of the, i mean it, it, it's a conversation um yeah. a lot of the times it usually in this case will happen we'll create an icon and then google will come along later and they'll create an icon of the same kind of thing that depict the same thing and so the question will be do we replace our icon with google's official you know yep. google created the standard they created the icon now do we want to go that route and we do occasionally. Um, we just updated a bunch in one of the last couple of versions. Um, I think our airplane, or, or I can't remember which one, but we, we just updated a bunch of icons to Google's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens quite a bit. Occasionally, we'll have somebody come in with some new design for an existing icon where it's just hands down better, and we, we all agree that. So we'll, we'll update it or we'll replace it. So yeah, it happens. It's just, it's a conversation. Those are never just kind of cut and dry. It's It's mostly... Let's talk about it. And then, you know, does it exist as a variant? Does it does it replace what we currently have? So Yeah. Okay. So the material design icons, it's pretty, like, broad in, you know, the types of icons that you have. Is there, like, a roadmap or have you got rules in terms of the categories of icons that you consider adding? Like, I know, for example, you've added a whole bunch of home automation-specific icons, but... Is it just literally, you know, it's an open source project, anyone can come in and suggest an icon and we'll, we'll add it? Or have you got, like, rules on, no, we won't take, you know, this type of icon sure. because of mm-hmm. this category or whatever? Well, we just had a, a new contributor join the team this year. His name's Jeff, and he works for an agriculture company. So mm-hmm. he has come in and added a lot of icons to the library that really deal with agriculture. Um, so we welcome that. He he came in, he he followed the, the guidelines perfectly, and he was creating really high quality icons and, 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 you know, we extended him an invitation to, to join our core contributing team. Um, so that's just a case of somebody coming in, they found our library, they were finding it useful, but we had some shortcomings in their industry and they started throwing things in there. And a lot of those actually translated to some home automation stuff too, for people mm. like automating greenhouses and those types yeah. of things, sprinkler systems. So, yeah. you know, the, we kind of get to double dip there, right? Um, when I started using Home Assistant and then kind of got involved with material design icons, I was working for a workflow automation product. And so we were doing a lot of icons around like workflows and automation, which kind of double dips with Home Assistant. We do a lot of automation over here. And as I got more involved in Home Assistant and then got more involved in MDI, we started to see more you know home automation icons come in, requests come in from people using Home Assistant as it became more popular. And that's actually when when Austin discovered that Home Assistant was actually using it. He didn't he didn't even realize that <laughs> Home Assistant was using it at the time until we let him know. And so you know at that before that though we were treating every icon request that came in equally. And even now we still do the same thing, but we we actually have a specific label. So we we label our Home Assistant um, icons. They're probably is the Home Assistant is probably our biggest open source uh, consumer that we know of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and because me and I think two other contributors also use home assistant, um, you know, we kind of have a reason to, to, to help that endeavor. So um, as home assistant icons come in, especially if I see if I could use, I'm a little selfish and I'll say, yeah, I really want to see that in my dashboard. So let's figure out how to get that, how to get <laughs> yeah. that in there. <laughs> You've got to have some perks. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but in terms, you know, it's funny too. I I, I browse the uh, Home Assistant subreddit all the time. Um, occasionally, I'll see somebody complain about icons or something, and I'll see if I can do something about it. But I nice. love seeing people share their dashboards and like, mm-hmm. oh, I created that icon, I created that icon, I created that icon. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that, that's kind of you know, that's a good feeling. I'm helping somebody um, express how they want to control their house. So. Um, but in terms of icons that we we accept or don't accept, we pretty much are open to anything. Um, we've had some um, discussions around brand icons, and I think everybody's kind of aware of this. We we are creating a library for material design icons, and so bringing in a brand icon. And when I talk about a brand icon, I mean like the Facebook logo or, mm. or you know, even the Home Assistant logo. Those are icons that are specific to a company or a product, and they're not material and We've been having a lot of conversations about whether or not they have a, they're a good fit for our library. Mm-hmm. We've started to turn down a lot of them, um, and we've even replaced a ton. Um, I'm sure anybody who's watched the Breaking Changes um, yeah. documentation for Home Assistant, when we've done major updates. So we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with that. Um, there is another really cool open source library called Simple Icons that one of our contributors is also a member of that team, and they deal with just brand icons. And there's even a okay. package inside of the community store to support them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's a that's a really good option if you're looking to get you know, uh, you know the Philips Hue logo or or, mm. or or any of those Home Assistant type logos that we don't we don't have in their in their library. Um, we're looking into creating our own brand um, icon library as well, but we're still really early in the planning stages for that. Just because we're, 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 we don't want to say no, right? We, someone comes yeah. in, they have a use case for it. Yeah. We want to be able to support that. And right now we're just in this weird situation because we have companies that are using material design icons and are like, we don't know what your license is because you know, it's, it's kind of ambiguous because we can't give a solid license to say, yeah, you can, you can run and use the Facebook logo all you want. We can't say that. We can't can't license it like that. Um, So that's where our, our issues are. And so we're trying to figure out a better way to do that because we want to, we want to be able to help anybody who can, needs to use these logos and, and, and have a clear license. And so, you know, that's something we're working on. So I would say, you know, Brand icons are probably the kind of gray area that we're dealing with right now. But in terms of that, any other icons for any kind of other use case, if if you need it, you can come request it. If you want to try to contribute it, you can do that. We're we're open door for that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. interesting. Yeah, like I must say, the brand icons have always been. I was surprised when I saw. I think um, the Plex icons in there. Like, there's a few. You know, like there's a few. Yeah, yeah. Facebook. I, like, I think Adelation's yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, and, and I think it's kind of a slippery slope. Google yeah. is uh, Google is the company that created the library, so we brought in all of their icons originally when they when when they open sourced it. So that include like Duo and Facebook Plus and the mm, Google yeah. icon and Google Maps, and so we had all these. And it's like, okay, well, we might as well add all the social icons, and we, and then just kind of came the slippery slope. Okay, we're going to add this because somebody requested it, and then we're like, hold on, now we have brands that are changing and we don't know about yep. it. So the logo's changed. We have. Yep brands that yeah. the the license for the logo just says you can't use it and we're using it or we're, we're helping redistribute well, they've got it design rules around how that logo should be it, exactly like yeah. a lot we we have to deal with like a monogram we can't mm. use the full word because it's not going to fit yeah. in that right so and a lot of companies don't allow you to make use of just the monogram or don't allow you to modify their logo to right you know, to fit the use case. So are we breaking those rules? Are they going out of date? Did the company go under, you know, there's, there's just, now we have to maintain all of this and with, it's a, it's a lot of work for an open source community that we're all volunteering our time and and we really want to just create system icons. So, you know, it's, it's a balancing act right now. We're, we're trying our best with it. We're, we got some plans. So we're hoping to have some announcements, you know, probably next year um, about what we're going to do and how we're going to handle it. As we get close to 7.0, which we're about halfway there, we'll probably have some more big breaking changes. We, we try to maintain our breaking changes in our major numbers. So, mm-hmm. right. Interesting. Yeah, that's okay. Awesome. Here, here's an interesting fact, because um, we're talking about version numbers here real quick. Um, we don't follow Semvir like most places do mm. or, and we don't even follow like the date versioning like home assistant does now um the number the version number for mdi is actually the number of icons in the library <laughs> that's so oh, that's yeah, interesting yeah. Every, so we try to release every 100 icons which mm-hmm. would be a minor version bump and 
then we try to lump all of our breaking changes into the major version numbers. Yeah. That gives us an ample amount of time because it's gonna it takes a while for us to get a thousand new icons mm. added. So we can start to create issues and, and create announcement threads of like, okay, these are things that are gonna happen. It's at the next major version number. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a, just a fun fact that that's whatever the version really number cool. is is how many icons are currently available to you. It'll be awkward yeah, though I if you decide to um, remove all those brand icons. And so when uh, we remove icons, we replace them. Right. So when, once an icon disappears, right. like if we remove an icon, it gets replaced with something else, which, mm-hmm. you know, it uses the same Unicode point. So if you're relying on that, you, you'll have an icon just kind of disappear and turn into something else. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, we're, we're weeding people off of using the font. So that's not really much of an issue. Yeah. We, we just add more icons. Yeah, we just add more icons. Like our 6.0 release, um, you know, that we, we went from five, what five nine ninety five to well we went to six one ninety five we added two hundred icons but we really added like two hundred and seventy because of right. we had seventy icon removals at the same yeah. time so yep. yeah that's really cool that's actually that's actually a little fun uh, thing just your between your versioning and and like all this kind of stuff it's actually kind of it's I don't know it's kind of nice yeah <laughs> it's, it's different. different. yeah you know we we try to follow the rules that make sense because people um they they expect Simver. So we, we try to follow those rules a little bit. Um, I'm not sure why that versioning scheme ever happened, but that's w- what it is, and that's what we stuck <laughs> with. <laughs> We've had some conversations about in the past why are we doing it. Um, it was too big of a chain. Uh, it, it, we were just trying to figure like how else would we do it? How, when do we bump minor? When do we bump major? How do you know yeah. what you're getting? And and so that's yeah. funny. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy video lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So, yeah, I guess, you know, and obviously you've got a really close tie-in relationship with Home Assistant. You said it's, you know, your biggest open source consumer. Um, in 2021.11, they released an big icon picker, um, which, you know, it's going to real. I think that's going to expose, you know, the icons mm-hmm. much more across users now. I think there's going to be people going to realize, oh, this icon's missing. Might be sending a few people your way. Really cool to see, yeah, just how tied in um, you are with the Home Assistant crew as well. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, the icon picker is huge. Um, it's something that I've actually wanted inside of Home Assistant for quite some time, so I'm really, really excited yeah. to see it there now. And, uh, you know, we've had some people complaining about the speed of our site. It's really hard to, you know, display 7,000 icons on one mm. page and, and make it speedy. Yeah. Uh, we're working on a new site. It's been in work for some time now. It's definitely going to be a huge improvement. Um, but this is going to make it so much easier for, for people to find icons without having to leave Home Assistant, without having to leave their instance, which is going to be great. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's cool. That is neat. So I guess, yeah, so that's, you know, the material designs icon. And so then when did you get started with Home Assistant? Did you get started with Home Assistant first and then move over to material icons or vice versa? Yep. I started, as I said, uh, a little earlier um, in probably like 2016, we bought a house that came with a bunch of uh, Zigbee switches in the walls. Yep. Oh, I nice. like, yeah. I want to, I want to control these. And I bought a wink hub and I just, it wasn't working. I was having problems with it. I ended up pulling all the Zigbee switches out and going to Z-Wave mm-hmm. and uh, got a Z-Wave stick and, and a Raspberry Pi running Home Assistant. And so that kind of was my entry into Home Assistant. And then, you know, the next thing you know, I got a couple of Alexas and I figured out how to get my alarm panel wired into it. Now I have my garage door, <laughs> and, you know, now, now in the house that I'm in, um, I got like 50 switches, 50 Z-Wave switches and uh, an alarm system. And 
all this all this fun stuff going through Home Assistant, and uh, I think my wife wants to hang me sometimes with all my tinkering. <laughs> um, I feel that. Yeah, but I yeah. <laughs> been doing it for a t- some time now it's just kind of like been a hobby and then then yeah mdi just became this extra this other hobby um when when i saw a use case to fill some 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 things in and just uh, it's you know it's a relaxing thing after the kids go to bed and just sure. kind of uh go field some issues mess around in illustrator for a little bit see if we can figure out how to solve a couple use cases get the next yep. release out um it's, it's been fun it's yeah so does your Lovelace like the inspiration for a new icon? Like you go, ah, oh, I really want, I've got this, you know, nice view in, in Lovelace. Oh, an icon right here would be nice. And then you just go off and, and design an icon and then add it in and away you go. Like that's, that ends up in the next home assistant release or. Um, I'm trying to think if I've had that specific use case. Uh, there's definitely been times where I was like, oh, I really don't understand why this icon is here. Um mm-hmm. There's been a couple of times I've gone off and, and created something new, but a lot of times when I get icon um, kind of inspiration, it's just been in real life. Yep. Uh, I remember, you know, driving down a street and seeing a billboard for a hospital, and and they had uh, an, a, a graphic that looked like a potion bottle with a plus on it. And I'm like, oh, we don't have any of those, something like that. So then, you know, <laughs> I came back, and now we have you know some potion bottles and some poison bottles <laughs> with the skull on them. And the witches of the internet, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, even the mask icon, that's, that's like when the lockdown first started happening, I was going through a, a drive through and they had like a, their big mask sign on the door. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I don't think we have a mask. And I kind of like the design of that. So I'm going to snap a picture of that and see what I can do with that later. And and so that's how the mask icon was born. Um, a lot of times, too, we'll look at, um, you know, there's a lot of really good other icon packs through the Home Assistant Community Store. For, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things about material design icons is, you know, not only do we have to follow the rules, but we also don't want to be overly specific. So we don't have very specific device icons. Like we don't have an icon for a, a specific type of lamp or a specific type of um, okay. specific model of a phone or something. Yeah, exactly. So we want to be generic. And some people want more detail in their icons, which is fine. Um, it doesn't fit our library, but there's other ways for them to get that, which is awesome. And sometimes right. we actually go look at those community projects. Um, I believe our ceiling fan that we just added in a couple icon releases ago actually came from a, a home assistant community project uh, mm-hmm. icon library. So we'll, we'll look for, you know, for some reason, maybe they just didn't know how to open up an issue request with us. Maybe they did at some point and we turned it down for some reason. Um, it happens. We have lots of different um, contributors that are fielding issues. So sometimes that happens and, and things slip through the cracks. Um, it's nothing ever personal. But we're always looking for ways to to expand the library and and hit those use cases that people want. And so, for example, like the ceiling fan that we just added a couple releases ago came from a, a community library that um, we're like, why don't we have this? This this makes sense. Yeah. And it's in my Lovelace dashboard now because I have lots of ceiling fans. <laughs> so it's great. Um, and those are the things that we're looking for. So Yeah, yeah. And and is there like a almost like a backlog list that's available publicly to say, hey, these are the icons we need. Whoever wants to make them, go make them. Yes, definitely. So the Material Design Icons uh, GitHub Issue Library is our backlog. We currently have about 300 issues open. Okay. And okay. Uh, at one point we had over 600. So we've gotten that kind of cleared up in the last couple months to get them down. Um, yeah. And but, how, like, what do you think, like, how many on average would a, a request come in? Like, would you get, like, maybe like 50 icons a month or 20 icons a month being requested, do you think? Um, that's a really good question. I don't think we've ever really pulled those kind of stats, but I'm just kind of looking over the library here and, you know, the first page we have things from two weeks ago. So Mm. I would say that, you know, there's 20 issues a page. We probably get close to 50 icon requests on an average month. Um, and then it's, we're all volunteers. So sometimes like, sometimes I'm just really in the mood to get icons done. And we hadn't had a release in like six months about Four months ago and i'm like okay we need to we need to get somebody on these because we haven't been doing anything i don't want this to get stale so yeah. i just mm-hmm. put my head down and kind of went through issues for about a month straight and got four releases queued up for us and wow. you know so sometimes we get those kind of spurts of like somebody's just 
really bored or, you know, one of those <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just really wants to get icon work done. And so and we'll, we'll see spikes like that. Um, but we try to stay on top of things as much as possible. Um, and so we release every hundred icons and, you know, that could be every couple of weeks to, uh, you know, every month or so. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your home assistant setup. I know this is the home assistant podcast at the end of the day, not the yeah, you know, design yeah. icon podcast, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I mean, I mean, what do you do? How do you use it? Yeah. All that? <laughs> uh, I, we, so we, we, uh, I built a custom alarm for, I, I have a fire tablet as our kind of panel and I got some Z wave sensors on some of our doors and windows. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I built this custom automation setup around an alarm system. So we have that going. Um, as I said earlier, I got about, I don't want to say about 50 switches, uh, lights, fans, other types of things throughout okay. the house. And then, um, we have a couple of Nest thermostats, which aren't my favorite, but they, they do what they need to do. So um, do some power monitoring on our washer and dryer. That way we can kind of get notifications when they when they Money stop. Down. Yeah, we, we when we bought the house, they came with a, a, a washer and dryer, and the dryer has this really loud, obnoxious buzzer that shakes the entire house. So I immediately <laughs> got in there and disconnected that thing. And I'm like, okay, now we need to know when this thing stops. So, so now we get, uh, Alexa notifications, phone push notifications when our dryer and washer stop. And, um, I have, we have a robo vacuum, so nice. that's kind of scheduled through there. And we got an interface for that and, uh, you know, presence detection for, for home and away state setting the alarm automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see what else we got. I got we got a sleep IQ bed because my wife really wanted one of those you know sleep number beds, yeah. and uh, just happened to have the smarts in it. So I get to tap into that as well. Yeah, yeah. So like if we both lay in bed for an extended amount of time, the alarm will set. It'll turn off all of our air fresheners or, or fans um, automatically. You know, fun stuff like that. And uh, that's cool. Yeah, about a million other things. Um, I'm always tinkering and looking for new things to to automate and new things to drive my wife crazy with when they stop working. <laughs> sure. Um, I've become oh, yeah. an expert at that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, all right. So you've got your, you know, 50 odd Z wave devices around the house. What about, um, you know, so you mentioned your fire tablets for, and I'm guessing you're using the Amazon echo for voice control. Yep. Yep. Nabucasa cloud, or have you got running your own, a little bit of both. I'm using Nabucasa just because I want to support Home Assistant. Mm. So I'm nice. gladly throwing them um, some money there so that they can continue to, to do the things that they do. Um, but it made working with Alexa a lot easier. I didn't want to deal yeah. with that part. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's mainly the reason. Otherwise than that, I try to bring as much local as possible. There are some things that like we inherited with the house, the Nest thermostats, the Nest doorbell, that will probably be replaced at some point. Um, yep. You know, not sure. anytime soon. But well, it comes down to priority, that, right? Like, if they're right. working, don't fix it just yet. They can sort of yeah. be done in the future. Yeah. I I reluctantly bought a two-year device and I woke up this morning and it doesn't work anymore. So, I got to debug <laughs> that. Um, yeah, no. I, I, might, I might flash that with the SP Home. But yeah. There no, is the I, local two-year component in Hacks if you can try that. I've had great success with that. I'm going to have to try that too. Um, I'll, I'll figure something out there. But, yeah, pretty much... I'm trying to bring as much local as possible. I'm going to be mm. looking into a camera system at some point, and I'm going to. That's definitely going to be IP based and, and local. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I just feel better about everything being local, and uh, you know, having everything behind a reverse proxy and, and everything secured down. Um, just knowing that I have that control is one of the biggest benefits of Home Assistant, and yeah. that I can do that. And not at risk of a firmware update coming in and breaking <laughs> everything, right? Yeah, I've had that happen once with, I don't remember what it was, but... Um, yeah, well, that's the yeah. when that happens. It is, yes. How do you find the fire tablets for control? I've I've got a couple of fire tablets around the house, and I find uh, maybe it's just an old version or an old model, but just, um, you know, the they lag a lot. You know, loading up a, a dashboard can be really slow. Um, depending on what browser you're using, you know, it might not support, you know, the latest and greatest, you know, web technology that the Home Assistant dashboard is using. Have you found, run into those issues? So I only have one, and I picked it up last, uh, last actually this year, beginning of this year. Um, mm-hmm. It was on sale, so it's an HD8. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember which generation. I can't 
put lineage on it, which was unfortunate, yeah. but I was mm. able to use the Amazon fire toolbox to remove a lot of the bloat. Ah, uh, nice. Um, nice. So since I've done that, I didn't do that originally because at the time we were kind of in between homes and I didn't have access to my windows machine and that yep. only runs on windows. So I was just okay. running it on stock and it was working for a while, but actually the last week it started just kind of randomly refreshing and restarting itself. Yep. And I was like, okay, they, they've, they pushed an update to it. Something's messed up. So I, I pulled it down, hooked it up, got it all kind of wiped out, and uh, noticed an instant speed increase. Just over, yeah. Just over, yeah. Just over, like just getting all the bloat out of there. So um, I did that. I would highly recommend that for anybody using the Fire tablets who can't go to um, like Lineage or some other um, OS. But uh, removed all the stuff there. I, I'm using Fully Kiosk browser. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Just opens up my Home Assistant Lovelace dashboard specific for the tablet. Um, I, as I said, I'm a developer, so I have probably started developing in React like three different dashboards at some point for my house. It's so yeah. tempting, right? It's so and, like, and, you, and I and I and I'll spend all this time like I created an SVG for my house, and I can control the <laughs> yeah. layers to make the lights look like they were on, and the yeah. cars look like they were there, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And then I just kind of life happens, and I forget about it, and then yep. I come back, and I'm like, I can't get it started <laughs> anymore because they have updated every dependency, and exactly. I just don't want to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just have a I have a Lovelace dashboard specific for the tablet, and uh, you know, use some conditional cards for like the alarm panel, and and, yeah. and um, it's because it's a Fire tablet, I can target it with browser mod, and so like when we open the door when we come home, I'll have an, I have an automation set to play a sound over the speaker to like, hey, you need to disarm me, ah, um, so yeah, I kind of make cool. it act like a traditional alarm panel. Yeah, nice. So you got like a chirp or something going from there. Yeah. Is it? Yep. Nice. Okay. Yep. And like when we open the doors, we can turn a door chime on or not. And, yeah, yeah. And so, so I made it act like a traditional alarm panel with through some automations. Um, I tried using um, Alarmo, but there were some things about it that just didn't work for us, which was, you know. Sure. It, it didn't work for us. So I, 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 got, I created something through automations that worked for us, but uh, I also would recommend Alarmo for anybody looking to do Alarmo automation because there's a lot there. It's, mm. it's a really nice custom integration. Um, but yeah, the Fire Tablet's been good. Um, I'm actually thinking if I can try to get one, another one of the same model because I would like to put one like in our basement just to you know, have another control into some things. But, yep. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's interesting. I was actually the other day I noticed on Reddit, I'll just put it in the chat here and, and for the listeners who will put it in the show notes, but somebody actually built a DIY uh, touch panel. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Us- using a capacitor touch uh, thing. It's actually pretty cool. Um, and I was like, because again, one of the things I don't have around the house is that uh, visual interface, right? I.e. like a Fire tablet or an iPad yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah, um, I tried doing... I tried doing one of these, the Raspberry Pi touchscreen at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. just the screen resolution was, was so poor on it that I couldn't make it look the way I wanted and it really couldn't flush it up against the wall. Yeah. So that's why I ended up going with the fire tablet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh but I I just thought it was cool because you can build your own proper UI, right? With right. uh and I know um who is it? Somebody just released um a new um switch that has that has that right like it's uh not to, like um, you're thinking of the shelly um wi-fi ones i not, think they just come out not the shelly um here let me uh sonoff sonoff just released Sonoff's, sorry uh, they yes. call it the uh ns panel right which is kind of like a touchscreen thing but just seeing a couple of the reviews out there that um you know the, the home community has put out it didn't seem that great yeah um, or, or it seemed okay but it's not like you know, there's not a ton of features in there today, and it sounds like you know potentially by software upgrade or something like that, you might be able to. But uh, I don't know. I thought I thought this is really you know a neat way of doing that same thing, right? I, don't get me wrong; it's way more work than just sticking a tablet on the wall. <laughs> but but I, I don't know. I guess with that, you get exactly what you want, right? Yeah, I've been. I've been looking and, and kind of trying to figure out what to do for tablet or like wall control for some time. And like, we don't even have all of our lights on there. We just have some yeah. of the, the more difficult ones, like accent lights that don't have a, a switch that's easy to get to. Yeah. Like those okay. are on there. But like, you know, to continue to keep my, keeping my house friendly for visitors and for just yep. for us, everything we've put in is pretty much Z-Wave switches. Yep. Um, yep. 
or if it's something that's not used frequently, can be done through, either through our phone, through the Home Assistant app, or through Alexa. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, like, I don't have hue bulbs anywhere, even though the color changing bit of them is really attractive for me, yeah. just from a tinker standpoint. Um, they're just they're not practical because I want to be able to go to the wall and turn those things on and off. Um, so it's going to lead some interesting research that I'm going to be wanting to do because when we get close to doing some work in our basement, I would like to have party mode down there. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to, so, so I'm going to try to figure out some, you know, I've seen people who will put a Z-Wave switch on the wall and not actually have it hooked up and they'll just use it as a automation trigger. Yep. Um, yeah. I think you can so, do the same with like Zigbee switches as well. There's um, Zigbee's yeah. scene controllers that, you know, can, they look like a, a normal switch on the wall, yep. but you know, they just literally fire an event to your controller. Yep. So I'll probably be looking at something like that so that I can have some more fun down there um, mm, without yes. much repercussions from the, from the other half of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you find, like, you know, having, you know, another person in the house are they do they like enjoy the smart home aspect of it? Have have they you know been able to you know put ideas into the smart home for you? Have you? Well, my wife, my wife said during our wedding vows that she was okay with me turning my house into a robot, and I have reminded her of that several times throughout <laughs> our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I think it annoys her sometimes, but I also think that when something's working right, yeah. it just becomes second nature, and she doesn't yep. really think about it much anymore. Yeah. I remember when I was figuring out the washer and dryer situation. I was like, okay, Alexa's going to announce now when when the dryer stops. Mm. And so that happened a couple times when it first was like, and she's like, oh, why do we need this? And then the other day, it wasn't working anymore because actually I'm having problems with one of my Echo Dots. It was like yep. locked up, so she didn't announce what what when it stopped because i don't think the dryer notifications are working anymore i was like oh yeah so somebody's uh <laughs> paying attention somebody's a little reliant on that that's now right. huh that's right so I, I think it just becomes a natural part um she doesn't need it but once it's there you know the convenience of it kind of helps yeah. so uh you know there hasn't been too much pushback but i always try to make sure that whatever i i do put in the house is easy to understand and um, not overly annoying <laughs> in a way where yeah, like yeah, yeah. you have to learn a whole new system to, to do this thing. No, yeah. I, I don't want that. So um, try to keep it as simple as possible and just try to find ways to simplify everyday things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and again, I think both Phil and I have said this like a thousand times, right? Just don't, don't overcomplicate it. Don't, you know, yeah. don't go through whatever, just make it simple make it usable it doesn't have to be flashy i mean if you want it to be flashy you can make it so your grandmother can use it right yeah right, right. yeah well and that's actually that you know as i said i'm kind of like a full stack engineer and i do a lot mm -hmm. of ui work that's where my strength is and that's one of my mottos is when i develop something is can my grandma figure it out yep because that's you know you're i don't know it's just been a motto of mine for i don't for so long and so that's how I kind of attack anything is just make it simple, as simple as possible. That's the whole point of automation is to make life simpler and easier. So I'm not trying to overcomplicate anything. Yeah. Agreed. Favorite automation. Um, if you had to pick one. My favorite automation does not currently work because of a bug. <laughs> but my favorite if automation. It was if it was working. So I have some accent lights above the cabinet where my TV is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had it set up so that when... And I have an Apple TV up there. So anytime video was playing, it would dim those lights and then nice. bring them back up when no video was playing. Yeah. Except for on the Netflix app, every time a preview kicks on, oh, started no. doing this and yeah. uh, it annoyed the crap out of my wife. So yeah. that got turned off. That was pretty cool though. But like I have some lights here above my cabinets. I'm, I'm working on remodeling this room that's painting cabinets and stuff. Yeah. But I got some lights up here and I have them set to slowly get brighter as the sun goes down um, okay. using the, the sun angle in my automation. So that one's pretty cool. You know, I'm always looking and seeing what other people are doing for automations. Like, as I said, I'm on the subreddit all the time looking at what the cool things that people are doing. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's really cool. I should do that. And then I either don't, or I forget about it. I forget about it. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I go, okay, I guess it wasn't as useful as I thought it was going to be. It was more cool than useful. So, you know, some yeah. things that you do to be cool, but the, the majority of it is to be useful. And, yeah. I, 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 it's funny. I, I literally set up a Jira account 
um, like they have free <laughs> accounts or whatever, right? So I set up a Jira account so I can keep track of all the stupid things I want to do. Just to so you've got an issue tracker for your house. Yeah. 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 I, I had a Trello board for the same reason for a while yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 just funny how how people start just going into this automatically again i'm not a software developer or anything like that you just start going into those same kind of principles that you fall back to right and uh yeah but yeah. well it's, it's amazing the amount of things too that i've like purchased to try to make something work yeah. um yeah. and then just never had success with like um i use my cue for my garage doors but i've looked in the ultrasonic sensors yeah. but they really fail in the heat um, at least I found they did. So I had, yeah. So I ended up sticking with my queue for now. I know some people have some issues with it, but I, it's been pretty yeah. solid for me. So I'm knocking wood on that one. Um, and it's going to break new next week. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, the energy dashboards, which is awesome that yeah. have come out. You know, I was able to buy um, a device to be able to read my energy meter. So I'm actually to get, you know, cool. I'm able to get a better picture into that. But we have gas and water meters too. And so I bought a device to try to reach, read those, but there's no simple way to do it, at least not in the area of the country that I'm in. And I have not been able to do that. So now I got this uh, FM kind of radio um, receiver over here that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I find yeah. something to do with it eventually, but, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, when I'm, when I'm going to buy something new, like, you know, we may buy a new washer and dryer someday. Now I'm going to, the first yeah. thing I'm going to do is like, okay, what brands work with home assistant? <laughs> Cause yep, I don't want to exactly. have to come up with something manual yeah. for that. And, and that's really just a testament. I think a lot of people who use home assistant think the same thing. And, and the, and the ground that home assistant has, has get, um, you know, gained over the years. It makes me wonder how far away we are from seeing works with home assistant on a box. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's, yeah. com- it's coming. It's yeah. coming. I just win. <laughs> Even in some of the like um, home automation stores that I see at the moment, right? Like on eBay listings or you know proper stores, they'll have you know like this is how you use it with you know like smart things, or here's how to use it with Home Assistant, right? So it's not on the box per se, but you know you're right, it's yeah. coming, right? It's not going to be too far away at all. Well, even that Amazon reviews, like I, I can't remember what it was. I was yeah. buying something and I was looking at the Amazon reviews and someone yep. was like, I got this working in home assistant this way. I'm like, that's the information right there that I was looking for. I bought it. Yep. Like yeah. that was the selling point for me. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to get it to work. God, I wish I remember what it was, but I have so many little toys and gadgets. I don't remember <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but that's the thing. If you make it easy for people, it's just, it's more consumable. People will buy it, get it, whatever. Right. Yep, definitely. So, yeah. Well, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, Michael, yeah. thank you so much for uh, all your work on material design icons that you do, um, yeah. and pulling the all the home automation icons in and and all that that you know pushing yeah. the project forward. Yeah. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat to us today as well. Yeah, and uh, to those listening, come come submit your ideas to to our issue tracker and we'll get on it that's it yeah. we'll leave uh, links to in the show notes to the repos and we can submit all that as well yeah perfect cool. awesome thanks everyone cheers alright cheers if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.